who use their gift and um, to glorify God. I think that's amazing. But it's an honor to get to preach this morning. Good morning, everyone. And before we go there, I just want to say hi to everyone who's listening to the podcast. Um, it's great that you subscribe. We're so thankful. Why don't you check us out at New Life Press Week on social media? But we'd love to see you at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And why not come along? We'd love to get to know you. That would be Great. But this year, as Pastor Jim's explained over the last couple of weeks, if you've missed it, this is a year where we're looking to embrace. We're not going to shrink back, but we're going to grow forward. A theme versus Acts 2020 about I did not shrink back. So this year, we're not going to shrink back in the midst of challenges or whatever may come. We're going to grow forward. And I was thinking, what could I possibly do? And at the start of the year, we've been looking at, Pastor Jim's been looking at embracing God. And if you do our daily readings, we've been reading the book of Proverbs and embracing the wisdom of God, and I was like, what could I possibly share? And I hope this morning I bring a word that's about embracing God in a way, or embracing the love of God in a way that we've maybe never thought of before, I hope. Um, but this morning, it's a bit of a strange title, but it's inspired by the great worship team called Oasis, because um, they wrote a song called Don't Look Back in Anger, and this year, one of the message that says, Don't Shrink Back in Anger. This morning, it's a great song. If you don't know it, shame on you. Um, I don't really know who's angry in the song, but it's a great song. Anyway, but I want to read some verses from 1 Corinthians 13 that says this. It should come up on the screen. Thanks, Kira, on the media. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to be poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. We'll stop there. As I was thinking about what I could share, I couldn't get away from this concept, this theme of anger. I don't know... Why? I just couldn't get away from it. Because I look out in the world today and I just see so many angry people. Everyone just seems to be angry with one another. They seem to be angry at politicians, angry at business people, angry at celebrities. They just seem to be so angry. And it, like, it reminded me of the Black Eyed Peas songs when it says, where is the love? They've got me questioning where is the love? Because everyone just seems to be hating everyone and you can't just be... Everyone's just so... Angry. And my prayer this morning is that we can embrace the love of God in a new way so that we can embrace the world in a way that, because they need love. And the reality is God's love is the best kind of love. And I just think that we can put our arms around the world sometimes and give it a hug. I think the old marketing slogan was, I would love to share a Coke with the world years ago. Because it was this idea of, hey, with Coca-Cola, everything will be okay. But if we have the love of God, that we just need to embrace people in a different way. But I remember one time I was playing football, and before I begin this story, I should clarify that this was actually as part of the church that I was playing football, and we used to do a five-a-side thing, so bear that in mind when I tell you this story. But I was, I was a lot younger, and football was kind of like everything. It went Jesus, then football, then friends, family, and like everything else. Uh, but it was like Jesus, then football, and we played this five-a-side game. I remember this one particular time where we were playing, and I used to be quite quick. I'm not as, quite, as quick as I used to be, but I'm still quicker than Gary because I beat him at XL this year. Um, just throwing that out there. But we were playing, and I kicked the ball past my opponent, and I sprinted past them. Now, the opponent grabbed me by the collar, and they just kept pulling my shirt, and pulling my shirt, and pulling my shirt, and pulling my shirt. Now, if you're not familiar with the concept of football, that's not okay. 
You cannot grab someone's shirt like that. But guess what? Nothing happened. I ended up on the floor and I was so livid because I was like, I should have been a foul. So what I done was I got up to my feet and I would love to be able to say, um, I just said, oh, I forgive you. It's okay. But that's not where the story went. What I done was I sprinted the length of the pitch, which wasn't all that big, and I basically took a swipe at the person's legs. Now, to clarify, I missed because I was never actually going to kick them because it wasn't really what it was about. But I was so angry that I was told to get off the pitch. I was told to go and cool down. It took me a long time to cool down because I was so angry. And I was angry because someone had done something to me and there was like no retribution. There was no justice that I felt like, well, I should have got a free kick. They should have been punished. But actually, my anger meant that it clouded my judgment and it meant I'd done something that I would never have really generally done. Because no one done anything about it. And to be honest, anger tends to start with a person. If you think of, because you might be perfect, but every time I've been angry in my life, because I don't think there's anyone in here who's never been angry, it always comes back to a person or a situation which is normally caused by a person. Someone done this. That made me angry. Well, this situation happened, and it was caused by these people, and that just made me angry. And as I was preparing this message, I'd done a search on the Bible app because I wasn't going to read every single page of the Bible to check for the word angry um, or anger. But the word anger is recorded 877 times in the Bible. In fact, this month in our daily readings, we've been reading the book of Proverbs. And if you don't know what the daily readings are, we have bookmarks um, out there that you can take away. Um, or George, who will give us a wave, hopefully. Um, can get you on church suite, which can kind of get you up to date with all the things that happen in new life. So if you'd like to get on that, please speak to George. But we've been reading the book of Proverbs, and there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, but the word anger appears 34 times. Now, it doesn't appear in every chapter, but it appears more than once a chapter, which means the Bible's got a lot to say about anger, and it's in different contexts. But even if you read today's Bible reading, it kind of started with, those who are angry pretty much cause trouble for themselves, and those who don't eh, will live a better life, basically, is what it's saying. But the thing is about anger that we can't help feeling it sometimes. But there's a good way and a bad way of dealing with anger. And I've got three kind of examples from the Bible this morning of two of what anger can do if it's dealt with badly. And one way that I think is the best way to deal with anger because we can't help it. But I believe that if you, the first thing I notice about anger is that if you leave it unchecked, you'll end up hurting other people. Like, if you don't do anything about your anger, you're eventually going to hurt other people. Like me in the football pitch, I would have hurt that person. I wouldn't have actually because I'm a nice guy. But if I wasn't, like, I, my intention was to, like, I was so angry that I wasn't thinking straight. And we've all been there where you get angry and you just want to, you hurt people either through physical actions, not me, I'm not really a fighter, if you can see me. But, like, through our words or through the way that we behave, actually, we hurt people because hurt people hurt People, but in Genesis chapter 4, I'm not going to read the story, but we find a story of two brothers called Cain and Abel. And basically, Abel had, it came to offering time to God, and Abel had given his best to God. He'd given the best offering that he possibly could. He gave the first fruits to God, which is what God was looking for. But then his brother Cain just kind of gave whatever was left. He just gave whatever. And the Bible says in the Old Testament that God looked on, he accepted Abel's offering and blessed him. But he rejected Cain's offering. Now, at side point next week, I know Pastor Jim's going to hammer this, but God, offering, even in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's all about your heart. Because God can do more in your life with the less that you have as you give it to him than you can do with the more by withholding it from him. That's a side point. But really what happens then is Cain gets so angry. And because he doesn't deal with his anger, what he does, he ends up killing his brother, Abel. And then God asks him this question about, where is your brother? And Cain kind of goes, am I my brother's keeper? 
Now, when God asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. It's because he's about to teach you a pretty harsh lesson, sometimes. Now, I'm not saying any, here, any of you are going to go and kill your brother in the literal sense, but we can kill our relationships with other people by hurting them if we don't deal with their anger. I mean, I want a, like, a question, and it's a rhetorical open question, but how many friendships or relationships or opportunities have we missed out on because of our anger towards people? Because I know there's certainly times when I, my anger has meant I've missed out on opportunities and friendships. And what it means is that we can't, instead of, Cain could have just said, you know what, God, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. And he could have celebrated Abel's blessing, but he couldn't because of his anger. So instead of celebrating and honoring people, we just become angry and we become bitter. It was Sean who reminded me of a quote, that our anger or our hate or our bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the, and waiting for the other person to die. But it's going to kill you. Anger kills you, it doesn't kill the other person. And I think if we don't deal with our anger, then we're going to hurt those around us, and that is not what you want. Trust me. You always come to a point where you're like, I wish I hadn't done that. And the Bible talks about being slow to anger because actually when you rush into things, things get worse. And it's a little bit like this is what happens when we get angry. If this is our heart, then when we get angry, our heart gets smaller, and it gets smaller, and we become a bit like the Grinch, but it gets smaller. But if we don't deal with our anger, no matter how hard we try... This is going to be harder than I thought. It's like this heart on the bit of paper. And when you try and open it back up, it's not the same size as it was before. The heart's crushed. Like in our own strength, that if we don't deal with it, it just, it might kind of slightly get better, but then that person will do something, or God will bless them, or God will, and it'll be like, oh, it gets crushed again. It can never actually go back to the way it was before if we don't deal with it, because actually when you hurt, other people, you kind of just end up hurting yourself. And I believe that anger means that we hurt other people if it goes left unchecked. And we never really go back to the way it was before, because anger it affects your relationships, but it also robs you of the joy of being able to celebrate and honor with other people. And that's never really what God's intention is for any of us. But the thing is with anger is, no matter how hard you try in our own strength, it's never going to Get better, but don't worry. There's better news coming later on. I promise, but I'm finished with that just now. But my second example about anger is this guy called Moses that many of us may or may not have heard about. Because not, not only will anger make sure you hurt other people and cause damage to your relationships and people like that, but I believe that anger, unchecked, will stop you from stepping into the promises that God has for your future. I honestly believe it's that important that we deal with our anger because it can actually stop you from going where God wants you to go. Because the guy called Moses, you might have heard of this movie called The Prince of Egypt. He was the Prince of Egypt. He was basically, when he was born, his mum saw that he was an exceptional child and she put him in a basket because the Egyptians wanted to wipe out all of the Hebrew children. He wanted to keep them down, but she put him in this I guess it's what you would now call a Moses basket. I don't think that's what it was called before. Um, but she puts him in the River Nile, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. I don't think if you want to save your child, let's put them in the river Nile. But she was so desperate and she so faithful in God, but like, just save my child. And he ends up, of all the places in the Pharaoh's palace, I mean, he's the guy trying to kill the children, but it's Pharaoh's daughter who finds Moses and she raises him as his own. And as I think about this story, I find it quite interesting because if you think about it, Moses wasn't an Egyptian, so he didn't really fit in with them. But he was kind of too Egyptian to fit in with the Hebrews. So he's like this one, imagine being Moses where you're the only person who doesn't really fit in anywhere. 
that Moses is raised as like one of the princes of Egypt, I guess, like the movie says. He's raised in Pharaoh's palace. He would have probably studied the same thing that all the Egyptians would have. But he finds himself walking out in the, whatever it was, the plains or the workers' fields, and he sees these Egyptians beating on this Israelite. He sees them, and he gets so angry. Because Moses, there must have been something in him where he realized, I don't fit in here. I'm really one of the Israelites. And he basically looks around to make sure no one's watching, and he kills the Egyptian in anger. And so anyway, Moses then goes out the next day, and he sees two Israeli people fighting, and he pretty much says to them, why are you fighting one another? And they basically hit back with, yeah, we know you killed the Egyptian. Because the reality is, the truth always comes out. There's always someone watching. If no one else, God's always watching. And so Moses gets so afraid that he pretty much just runs away. And years go past and God, he has an encounter with God in the middle of the wilderness. And God pretty much changes his life. And he speaks to a burning bush and realizes it's I am who sent you. And he goes back and he leads the people of Israel through the Red Sea. The Egyptians got wiped out. It's a cool movie, but it's all in the Bible if you read it as well. And he gets to this point where he's leading the people to the promised land because God doesn't leave us out somewhere he leads us into something as well. But he leads them towards this promised land that God promised them. He is their leader. I mean, he has another incredible encounter where he goes up to the mountain and God gives them the Ten Commandments. I mean, Moses' life is pretty incredible. But then if we keep reading the story, we come to Numbers, the book of Numbers, and it's in chapter 20, where God speaks to Moses and he tells them, because the Israelites want water. Speak to the rock and water will come out of it. And what Moses then does is Moses hits the rock twice. But while he's doing that, he's telling the Israelites, you rebels, Moses is angry. And God had clearly told him what to do. And it's so harsh for Moses if you look at it maybe from a human perspective. Because this is a guy who has put up with a lot of stuff if you read his life. But he hits this rock twice in anger. And the water comes out because God's faithful to us even when we mess up. But then God says to him, Moses, because you disobeyed me, because you didn't do what I said, you're now not going to be able to go into the promised land that God had promised. Now, I don't know if this is theologically correct, but I think that if Moses had done what God said, he would have led the people into the promised land. Maybe, maybe not. But Moses' anger because he didn't deal with it and the years he had to deal with it prevented him from stepping into the promise that God had given. And I believe that if we are not careful, what can happen, like the song, is that actually people can walk on by and life can go on by and we can just end up stuck in our anger because it can only go so far and God's going to, do you know what? You can't take this anger into the promised land. You can't take this with you to where I want you to go because actually... What I want to do in your people is more important, and I can't have you corrupting it with your yeah. anger. In the song by Oasis, the chorus goes, so Sally can wait, she knows it's too late, as we're walking on by. And then it says, don't look back in anger, I heard you say. And now, I have, I've, read the I've read it, and I have no idea who's walking by or what's going on, but I think what they're saying is the person who's angry is stuck here. And everyone else, everyone they're angry at, everyone that they, they're walking on by. But because they're angry, they're stuck 
here. They can't go forward because actually they're too angry to work, but they can't really go back because actually going back is not really an option, so they end up just stuck here. Because the thing about anger is, and I've noticed is, anger will always keep you looking backwards. It's never going to make you look forwards. Like, I can't be angry at, I'm going to use Scott as an example, I can't be angry at Scott for something he's going to do in 2022, because I haven't a clue what Scott's going to do in 2022. So every time I've been angry, I'm not angry at some future event that's not taking place yet. I'm always angry at something that's in the past. So actually, don't look back in anger because it's the only way you can look. And the problem is Moses was looking back at all the stuff he's had to put up with, but instead of going to go with it, he just dealt with it, and he struck this rock, and he ended up stuck. Now, by the grace of God, he got to see the promised land without actually going in, but he ended up stuck. Because anger will always just leave you stuck. You'll be stuck here and everyone will walk by. I don't know how many times when I've been angry at people and they haven't had the foggiest clue. They don't even realize that I'm angry at them and they're just living their life. Because actually you just end up stuck. Because anger stops you from progressing forward. So being, if we want to sh- not shrink back this year and we want to grow forward, then anger's going to have to go. Or we're going to have to deal with anger in a way that's healthy. You see, God's promises in Christ are yes and amen, but often God's promises come with conditions. God normally requires us to obey him or to do something before we actually get there. He doesn't just drop everything in our lap. That's not really how God works. But I believe that anger will stop us from getting to where God wants us to go. And then, now I'm going to start to talk about the stuff that's good. Because the reality is there is an antidote to anger. And the antidote to anger is love. Now, I don't see this as easy, and I'm not trying to put anyone down or make you think that the stuff you're angry at is nothing, because it really, some of you guys have been through stuff that's way tougher than what I've been through. But as I looked at the Bible, the final person I noticed was, there's a guy called the Apostle Paul. Now, for those of you who don't really know much about the Apostle Paul, he basically persecuted Christians, threw rocks at them. He wanted to kill them all, um, which is never a good place to start. But he has an encounter with Jesus, because the reality is everyone comes to a point where they have to have an encounter with Jesus. And then he changes his life around, and he starts to go and tell people about Jesus. And he's so, But because of his reputation, <laughs> what's gone back in the past, the Christians were kind of afraid of him. But actually, they started to get to realize, actually, this Paul guy hasn't had an encounter with Jesus, and he does some crazy stuff. I mean, he's, he's lived a life that's full of just trying to share the good news about Jesus and encouraging one another and building one another up. And he's the one who wrote the verses that I read from Corinthians as he wrote to the Corinthian church about love does not bear grudges. It doesn't keep record of wrongs. Love endures all things. But he writes to, I guess, a young mentee of his called Timothy, and it's 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'm not going to read it, but in that, this, this is Paul's getting to the end of his life. He knows that his time is up. He's not going to be on earth for much longer. And he's running through, and it's almost quite sad to read when you think of this hero of the faith. And he's pretty much saying, I stood trial and no one was with me. I was completely alone. And he says, this person abandoned me, this person abandoned me. And then he says one particular name, and he says, this person. But he does not write, Timothy, you need to get this person back. You need to pretty much go after them and ruin them. And what it says is, may God deal with it as God deals with it. 
Why? Because I think Paul realized that I could get angry at these people. But if I'm going to get angry at these people, then I can't love because love doesn't get angry. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And so what Paul decides is, do you know what? Because in the same book, 2 Timothy, he basically is saying, do you know what? I have ran the good race. I have fought the good fight. I have finished well. And Paul, as he's sending these messages, I'm sure he wanted to criticize. He wanted to get angry. He wanted to get even. I'm sure. But then he was reminded about the words about love. And actually, he realized, like Pastor Jim shared at an early morning meeting, that actually the King David, in the context of his mighty men, was with him. He realized that actually, even though everyone else has abandoned me, my God has not abandoned me. That I'm never alone. And he remembered the love of Jesus, and he decided, you know what, I don't want to shrink back, but I want to grow forward. And Paul makes this decision that, you know what, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands, not in my own strength. And if you read the book of Psalms, a lot of the time, these are people who are angry. Like, oftentimes when they're psalmists, we're angry, and they start angry with things like, God, wipe out my enemies and kill all of them because that's what I want you to do. Now, I would argue that actually oftentimes when you read the Psalms, you're just reading people's emotions. But they almost always finish with, but you know what, God? You are my safe place. You are my refuge and I leave this all in your hands. Like oftentimes when King David wrote his Psalms, it was normally when he was running away from enemies and he just, or he was just, he was weak. And so I encourage you, one of the things we can do is always give it to God when we're angry. But if it helps you, write something down. Heather, I'm not, I wasn't going to mention this. I've not asked permission, so I might get into trouble earlier. But she started this year with a little journal thing. And in it, there's a bit that says, things you're letting go today. And I'll be honest, I've noticed a difference. In, no, because Heather doesn't really get angry, really. Like, she's, she's a wonderful wife. She's amazing. But I've noticed... A difference between she started writing things that she's letting go down and giving it to God. And I've noticed the difference in her demeanor. I've noticed the difference in her attitude. She's been a lot healthier mentally, emotionally. Why? Because she's letting things go. And so I encourage you, if it helps, when somebody does something angry, write it down. But then actually write down the goodness of God as well. So actually always finish by giving it to God. Why? Because what we don't want to shrink back. And if that helps us to not shrink back, then write it down. Now, don't write it down in a text message and send it to the person who you don't. That's not a good plan. That's a terrible idea. So just to clarify, but write it down and actually just write the goodness of God. Write a Bible verse down. Actually, even if it's Acts 20, 20, I am not going to shrink back. Even if it is 1 Corinthians 13 and you just write down what love is. Because actually, sometimes it's not easy to get rid of it. And I believe the Holy Spirit can do in a moment and break chains of anger. But oftentimes, it takes a process of making a decision. Do you know what? I am going to choose to let this go. And it might take me days. It might take me weeks. It might take me months. But this year, I am making a decision. I am not going to shrink back in anger. I am going to embrace the love of God in a new way so that we can love other people. I love the civil rights movement. That is the only reason I passed higher history. Martin Luther King Jr., I would have loved to have met Martin Luther King Jr. Because if there was anyone who had every right to be angry, it was Martin Luther King Jr. But he made incredible speeches and he started a movement and I know there was other people, but he pretty much said, 
hate, like, hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And I think it would say anger can't really beat more anger. Only love can do that. And he started this catalyst of a movement that went way beyond him. Because the reality is anger never really gets anywhere. I don't think anything good has came from anger. And I know there's righteous anger, and we can talk about that another time. But I think if your motives is to set people free, that's good. But if your motives is to tear people down, then you can say that that's not. Because the heart of God is always to set people free. And I was thinking about this, and the reality is when you start writing things down and give them to God, he's the only one who can heal that broken, crippled heart. You can't have anger management's great, but it really just helps you control your anger. It doesn't deal with it. Whereas when you get the love of God in your heart, you become a new creation. You become totally new. The old life is gone and the new life has come. So really giving it to God, because love keeps no record of wrongs. And I was thinking about this part when I was reading the Bible first, and it says love endures all things. And I, thought, I was thinking about this endurance idea. Because actually endurance means to keep going. Like you don't endure backwards, you endure forwards. And I thought, where else in the Bible have I read that? And it's actually in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight, or I put in, uh, paraphrasing to the Bible, or every piece of anger that slows us down, especially that sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from simple people then you won't become weary and give up. You see, the Bible, the most famous, well, one of the most famous passages in the Bible is John 3, 6, when it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son so that whosoever, anybody who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, what that could have said, because that's true and it's amazing. Now, what it could have said, which would also have been true, is for God so, was so angry at sin that he sent his one and only Son to die to deal with sin once and for all. Because that is true. That's why. But the point is, Jesus wasn't, didn't come because he hated sin so much and he was so angry at that. He came because he loved you and he loved me so much. Because Jesus endured the cross not so that sin could be eradicated. Yes, that's true. But he came because he wanted to be in relationship with you and me. You and I were the joy that was set before him. You're the reason that he endured all the stuff that he endured. And let's be honest, Jesus had more right to be angry than anyone who'd ever lived, ever. Jesus, I mean, even Jesus' own close people, I mean, one of his best friends betrayed him to the point of they were going to kill him. The, the government at the time, like Pilate, found no fault in him. If you follow, like he'd done nothing wrong. So he's betrayed by his best friend. He'd done nothing wrong. Yet he still finds himself on the journey towards a place called Calvary, carrying a cross that really wasn't his. All of his disciples, all his other friends got petrified and ran away. And he's carrying this. I mean, his, his body is so beaten that he's unrecognizable. He can't even carry the cross. <laughs> like he, someone has to carry the cross 
for it. And he gets nailed and even then, he's getting abused from the two, everyone around, the soldiers, the two, either side of us, side of him. If anyone had the right to be angry in this moment, it was Jesus. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Because love endures all things in every circumstance. I mean, what must it have been like if you picture the scene, he's on this cross and yet, one of the people who was abusing him, who deserved to be on the cross, ends up saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy doesn't belong here. We do. There must have been just something in his character, even when he was broken beyond. Like, I can't even imagine it. And then comes the worst moment of all for Jesus. Because for God so loved the world that he gave his own and only son. Because God hates sin. God is so angry at sin that he can't even be around it. And Jesus comes to this moment, because if you read the Bible correctly, in John and Genesis, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And So Jesus had been with God since the beginning of time for all eternity. And then there's a moment on a cross where Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because all of my sin, all of my anger, everything that I've ever done wrong and everything you've done wrong and everyone that everyone's done wrong was put on Jesus so that God couldn't even look at him. But Jesus took it. And then three days he got back up and says, you know what, I am not shrinking back. Why? Because I want to embrace you in a way that you've never been embraced before. And because of what Jesus done, we can actually say, do you know what, God, you can have my anger. You can have my pain. You can have everything, God. And do you know, we don't have to shrink back. Why? Because Jesus stepped out of a grave. And, and that means that you and I can too. You see, in order that God's anger at sin could be satisfied, Jesus took the cross. But his real motivation was his love for you. And so the antidote to anger is always love. Love will always win. He goes on to say that three things are remaining that if I'd read in 1 Corinthians 13, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So the only three things that remain apparently are faith, hope, and love, not anger. And love is the greatest of them all. And the worship team can come up if that's okay. Because this morning I believe that so many of us, we, we, we get angry. And we, we, we don't really deal with it, we just try and bury it down. And, and the reality is sometimes we've got every, in our human sense, right to be angry. But anger isn't really useful. And what God's love can do is set us free so that we can grow forward and step into everything that God has for us. Because I believe that for every individual, God has got a plan and a purpose for a life. And I want all of us to step into the plans and promises that God has for our future. And I believe that a lot of the time, not always, but anger can be something that just holds us back. And so I just want to, can we all stand if that's okay? Because this morning I want to pray for two things this morning as we close. Because I believe that some of us, anger is just something that we struggle with. And I want to pray that God's spirit can come and give us peace in our hearts so that we can not shrink back, but that we can grow forward and embrace the love of God in our hearts so that we can actually step forward. I'm not going to ask anyone to step forward, but so we can go forward in 2020. And then I want to pray for those who you don't know Jesus. You've never actually had his love come into your heart and you've never actually stepped into relationship with him. Because it's the best thing that we can ever do. It's the reason Jesus came. 
was so that people can come close to him. And so with every eye closed, what I want to do is if you want to say yes to Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity to, because God's anger was taken out in Jesus so that we can step into his grace and his freedom and his love and his mercy. Because God wants to embrace us with his love. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to do that this morning, I'm going to count down from three, two to one. And if you just put your hand up just so I can see it, then you can put it down. That would be amazing. But three, two, one. So we're going to pray, and this prayer we're going to all pray together to help those who have just put their hand up. That would be amazing. But thank you, Jesus, for coming and dying on the cross to deal with my shame and my sin. I give you my life, and I embrace your love. Amen. Amen. And now I want to pray for any of us who, you know, anger's just an issue for me. Like, I've really struggled with anger because of this person or for that thing that happened. But I don't want to live with it anymore. I don't want it to hurt my relationships. I don't want it to stop the promises. I don't want it to affect my future. I want to step into the, embrace the love of God and be set free from this. And so if that's you, what I want to do is I just want you to raise your hand. And I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship and we're going to believe that God can just set us free. I believe the Spirit of the Lord's here and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So we're going to pray with every hand raised here. Father, I thank you, God, for the love of God. Father God, I, I thank you that we can trust you even when we don't feel like it. I thank you that your love is more powerful than anger. It's more powerful than our past. It's more powerful than anything that can come against us, God. I pray that your spirit can move in people's hearts and set us free this morning so that we don't need to shrink back in anger, but we can step forward and we can grow forward in your love so that we can embrace the world, Father God, the way that you embraced us. Father God, I pray that this, from right now, chains are going to be broken. Father, that we can move forward in your love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, give God the praise. Just, just to let you know, if you were one of those who put your hand up there to just receive Jesus, uh, we would love it to have a chat with you. Stephen and Lorraine have got like a table in the kind of back corner called the point. We'd just love to have a chat with you um, about that. And it's the best decision you've ever made in your life. Um, but this year, we're not going to shrink back. And I think we're going to sing. Well, that was a great word. Let's encourage David. That was a great word. We haven't sung this for a long time, but I think it's...